Hi, my name is Tracy Coral, and welcome to Indispensable People. I'm a wife, mom, teacher, pastor, and missionary, and I believe that every person should have the opportunity to know Christ, grow in Him, and serve Him with the gifts that He has given, no matter their ability. Over 65 million Americans have a disability. That's 25% of the population. However, over 80% of them are not inside the walls of our church. Let's dive into those hard topics, biblical foundations, perceptions, and world-changing ideas. Happy New Year. I hope you've all had a wonderful holiday season. I hope it was filled with peace and joy and family and probably a whole lot of cookies. So I am excited to talk with you today um, about a hot topic, a hot, hot topic. At least it seems so for me, um, de-escalating. I get questions all the time that are, what do I do when? What happens if? I've got a kid who, this guy who comes into our church does this so many times and they want to know how to handle the big, big issues. They don't want to ask me how to run a special needs ministry. They don't want to ask me what a sensory room should look like. They're not asking me how do they meet the needs of discipling people with disabilities? They want to know. They want that fear quelched. How do I handle these situations? So here's the thing. I do a training and I call it de-escalating techniques, but it's kind of a trick. And I don't necessarily mean for it to be a trick, but um the whole thing is not really all about de-escalating a situation. That's actually a very simple procedure. The smart, the most difficult, and the best way to de-escalate a situation is to catch it before it happens. So today, we want to not only talk about de-escalating techniques, but identify the individuals who maybe are more prone to aggressive behavior, what triggers the behavior, as well as how we can diffuse the aggression and what to do when it happens. Above all, parents and caregivers are your number one resource. They will have known the person longer. They will have inside knowledge um, of what they enjoy, what frustrates them, what calms them. Now, this is obviously after you have gotten to know that person. Maybe they can tell you some things about them, but if they are unable to tell you or haven't given you a comprehensive um a resource, I guess, then you can approach their parents or their caregivers for that knowledge. Um, when it comes to ministry, we know that everyone should be included and they are created in the image of God. They were intended to be a part of the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ died for every person. And as the church, we need to do our best, our absolute best, to make Christ accessible to all people. So understanding aggressive behavior is important. So first, let's look of why are we afraid of it? Well, first of all, it creates fear because we don't know what may or may not happen. It also comes usually from an individual who isn't responding to what you're asking them to do. And then they're getting angry and they're still not responding to what you're asking them to do. 
add to that, it takes us out of our comfort zone. And I don't know about you, but I like to feel in control. And when I'm not in control, that makes it difficult for me, makes me feel anxious. We know that aggression is more commonly seen among people with um, certain mental health disorders. Among those include ADHD, bipolar, autism, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorders. And some of those reasonings is because they might have adjustment issues, becoming comfortable in new situations. Um, some are more likely to be rejected by their peers, so that heightens that awareness. And others struggle to read social emotional cues or are impulsive due to those diagnoses. So when we deal with aggressive behavior, we need to have an understanding. First of all, not all aggressive behavior, not most of aggressive behavior is a spiritual deficit. Okay, we're not casting out demons in a person who struggles to process their emotions. We're not casting out demons in someone who has um, impulse issues because they have ADHD. We need to know that um, self-regulation is really at the core of what the issue is. The term self-regulation is used to refer to a range of characteristics and abilities. A person with self-regulatory skills, they're able to focus attention they can control their emotions and manage thinking, behavior, and feelings. So we need to know that there's a difference between self-control, which is all about the moment and the individual. Self-control is about inhibiting strong impulses, while self-regulation is about reducing the frequency and intensity of the strong impulses by managing stress load and recovery. Now, I say all of that that's research that I've done and things that I've written. And I think, I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't always perfectly self-regulate. There are times where I get frustrated. I break out in tears. Um, there are other things that occur because I'm not able to self-regulate at the moment. However, we need to understand that becoming frustrated at times is normal. Um, crying because we're sad is normal. These are much more significant issues where we're taking a situation that would seemingly be normal, but the reaction is not. So that's where the big thing changes. Um, a lot of people will joke around and they'll say, yep, that's my ADHD. Well, they don't have ADHD. They're just saying that their forgetfulness or their impulses mimic things like ADHD. And so a lot of people will say, oh, people with ADHD, well, I, I, I do that. I do that. It's just at a different level than what is considered normal or typical. And that's the same thing with aggressive behavior or self-regulation situations. It's, you know, everybody cries at sometimes, everyone gets frustrated at times. Um, these are much bigger situations and considerations that we have to make. So how do we avoid this? How do we take care of things before we even get to the point where we have to consider um 
figuring out how to help that person to regulate their emotions. Well, first, if we can keep consistency in our ministry programs and our schedules, that will be an intense help. Consistency allows predictability um, that those experiences where each person can have the opportunity to build upon their prior knowledge as opposed to feeling like everything's new and different every time that they have to figure out. The other is to have controlled uh, transition times where your arrival times and departure times, might they might be chaotic. They might be noisy, especially in ministry, youth and children, um, adults when leaving the sanctuary at the end of the, the service on Sundays. Um, you can try to find ways to be specific on how to um, release. Our kids' church on Sunday morning at my home church uh, there's music playing, kids are playing games, adults are coming at the door, um, our children's pastors yell in each of those kids' names. That can be a very chaotic situation. And so considering ways to take away some of that chaos can really help. Um, predicted transition times. It's really great to give those, okay, in five minutes, we're going to do this. In 10 minutes, we're going to do this. In two minutes, worship's going to start. Um, churches do some of that, not really on purpose, um, for this purpose, but they have countdowns, um, to their Sunday morning service. And that helps people to know when things are going to be started, where they need to be to get in their seats and, um, what's going to happen next. Another consideration is limiting high en- high energy multisensory experiences. Um, that might sound like everything counterintuitive to anything you know about kids' church and youth. Listen, can I be honest? Fun doesn't always have to be loud and chaotic. Fun can be fun in many different ways. So there are considerations to make with that. Um, The other thing is to match the time. What does that mean? So especially for young kids, evenings are difficult with self-regulation because children are tired. They have put all of those skills to test all day long. And, And so evenings are going to be a little bit more difficult. So you might want to consider the activities that you put in place and the schedule that you have in the evenings as opposed to what you might do on a Sunday morning. That makes um, very different um, options. Limit choices. Sometimes too many choices um, may cause someone to feel stuck and unable to choose. It might be just overwhelming. So um, that's something super duper easy. Uh, Limit downtime. This is equal to limiting choices. Downtime leads to a lot of choices and a lot of choices may be difficult to process. Downtime might also lead to chaos. So those are just a couple of things that you can put um, in in process and in, in your ministries just right now to start. It's just really simple things. But also, um, what do you do when you've done all the things to prevent the behavior, but the behavior continues to escalate. Well, first and foremost, you need to remember, always remain calm, even when you're not. 
they will match your energy. So if you start to get upset and you start to get aggressive and you start to get loud, they're going to do the same things. But if you stay calm, then you are not going to escalate where they already are. In some cases, you might be able to use humor to distract and lighten the mood. Um, In other cases, you're going to need to just validate and show that you're listening and that you see that that person is upset. Another thing you might want to do is remove the audience. If there are other individuals around, you might want to ask them to give some space because you don't want this to become an attention-getting situation. Um, In addition to that, you might want to give that person personal space. Like You might need to move away from them a little bit too, and that is um, very important. Again, we're going to go back to show that you're listening with validating their feelings. You can say, I can see where you're coming from. You don't necessarily have to tell them they're right, but you can say, I see that you're angry. I see that you're very sad. You're validating their feelings. Sometimes you just need to simply ask, what can I do for you right now? Let them know that you want to help them. Maybe distract by talking about something that they like. Show them empathy. Be willing to find a solution with them. Um, give an out. Maybe they need to take a walk or go to another room. Actively listen to them. Listening is really important. I've already said it in 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 three different ways. Um, invite them maybe to do a preferred activity, something that you know that they like. Um, encourage that person. Let them talk without interrupting right? We're all fixers. We want to fix things. Sometimes we just need to let people talk. If it is a mix-up in understanding of what you have asked of them, you can clarify those expectations. And at times, we've all heard the saying, pick your battles. Sometimes you might need to ignore uh, behavior if it's appropriate to ignore because um, some individuals do have those escalating moments in which they use as an attention-seeking uh, device. And so you, the worst thing you can do is to provide attention to it. So sometimes you just need to ignore it. Um, and also, at times, you need to remind them that, listen, you're not in trouble. That's not what this is about, especially in ministry with We function in a very different way than a school system, and um, we need to remember that that's the case. I will tell you um, about a little guy that is in our kids' ministry at my home church, and um, loud noises really trigger him. And so typically he wears noise-canceling headphones while he's in there. Well, one particular day, it was just over the top, and he was not handling it well. And so I heard him yelling, and I went into the room, and I went over to him, and I said, Grayson, we're going to go out of the room. And he was very, very upset, almost more upset than he was about the noise that was happening and he thought he was in trouble. And so when we stepped outside of the room, I said, buddy, listen, you are not in trouble. You did not do anything wrong. I just thought your ears might need a break. And you could just see like the light bulb that went on in his eyes, like, yeah, she gets it. And that just de-escalated the whole entire event. Now, um, those are just a few ways that you can de-escalate a situation. Always remember um, that your the what you bring to the situation will be matched. 
So if you want to calm, keep calm. Um, we definitely don't want to escalate anything more. Um, remaining calm will be your number one strategy. And if you get to the point where no strategies work and the individual um, starts putting themselves or uh, others in a in an unsafe situation, you are going to want to do what we've talked about in our previous podcast, which is remove everyone from the situation in the room, make the room as safe as possible by moving furniture back and things like that, allowing that individual some space, and then getting their parent or their caregiver so that um, everyone, even the individual who is having the issue, can remain safe. And listen, this is not an exhaustive list. We're going to remember and understand that aggressive behavior is a form of communication. Sometimes it matches what's going on, and other times it is a big reaction to something that can be handled. And it's your job to get to know that person, to build relationship with them so that they trust you, that they feel comfortable with you, that when you say to them, I want to help you, they believe you. Because building that relationship will always trump everything else that you are battling against. Relationship. And you know what? In the end, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. So you need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you which strategies to use, how um, in the heat of the moment when we're struggling to figure it out, to be sensitive to know that the answer can be given in a moment where the Holy Spirit can bring something to mind. So all in all, before we end this podcast, I want you to know and remember that just because someone has a meltdown or, or an atypical behavior to a situation most of us may not have reacted that way. That doesn't make them bad. That doesn't make them terrible. It doesn't make them less than. It just means they need a little help regulating the situation and the things that they are dealing with. And we get to be a part of that. We get to come alongside of them, make sure that they don't feel like they're alone and support them, not embarrass them, but walk through it with them. So be that friend, build that relationship, and help each person to walk through it. We don't have to be afraid. We can just respond in the way that God would want us to. Do I know everything about disability ministry? Do I have all the answers? Have I done everything perfectly? I have absolutely not. But we are going to continue this conversation so that people of all abilities can have the opportunity to know Christ, grow in Him, and serve Him with the gifts that He has given them.